0: What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The alternative underground, back alley, underbelly, speakeasy, secret society, dive bar style podcast of and about and surrounding the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to right here on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. If it's Spotify or especially Apple, don't be shy. Say hello. Maybe drop us a review. Maybe one of those five-star reviews. Because you know what? Here on the Rye Bread and Mustard a Mariners podcast, we love five-tool baseball players. But you know what? We love more than that five-star review. So if you feel obliged to giving us that five-star review, hey, we wouldn't be mad at you episode you are listening to right now is episode two of our conversation with Seattle Mariners public address announcer Tom Hutler. If you need more information on who he is and what we're talking about, there is a part one. So go back and check that out for all of you that have listened to part one. If you forgot where we left off, we started talking about the Kingdom Days. That's where we're going to kick this episode off again. If you haven't listened to episode one. Shame on you. No. No. Consider yourself lucky. You get to go back and listen to episode one and get yourself up to speed. Or if you want to do it the Pulp Fiction way or you like to go back and you're really into prequels, then you know, just keep listening right here. Uh, on this episode, we're going to get into some Kingdom memories with Tom. We're going to talk about announcing to the uh, Cardboard fans in the 2020 season. He gives us some... Uh, real personal stories from the hall of fame you know with Edgar Martinez and Ken Griffey Jr Um, and we also play a couple of games some uh, walk-up music games and we talk about you know baseball again we were very lucky to talk to him but at this point I'm gonna shut up and get out of the way so you can enjoy part two of our conversation with the legendary Tom Hutler that's going to start right now. Get ready to play hardball in the Kingdom. Take me to the
1: ballgame.
0: I want to see the ends. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Did
2: it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdome. Uh, the Kingdom days, they had a lot of um, great memories for me. But also, you know, when you would go in there on a Sunday afternoon, it was 80 degrees outside, and they were playing We Were in Last Place, and we're taking on Cleveland, who was in last place, and there's maybe going to be 3,000 people there. It's like, I don't even need the mic. I'll just lean out the window. <laughs> and um, it was like, uh, I'd don't, I don't, I'd rather go anywhere than go into this building right now because it's gray, and it's dank and dark, and... It doesn't, doesn't feel like real baseball, um, but uh, it had some incredible memories for sure. And I, but I always, uh, I, I always said if we ever have a chance to get an outdoor ballpark, I will n- never close the window. I don't care how cold it gets. <laughs> um, I would do anything to have that baseball outdoors where it's supposed to be played because in, in, in inside it felt more like it was a kind of a studio show you yeah know, it's, it's like, kind of like
0: we're on a green you're watching a game on a green screen right, right with that right. Astroturf.
2: so the the memories are you know you know it, it was at, at that point in those days i was a lot closer with a lot of the players than i am now i don't really know any of the guys anymore because i don't have the reason to go down because i don't have to you know cover it for como and um so but back in those days i was you know didn't getting some Uh, radio stuff because I was also doing sports on KVI, so I knew all those guys, and uh, they were great. I mean, those guys, Jay and Edgar and Harold Reynolds, got to be really, really, really good friends with Mark Langston. He and his... Really? Yeah. He's actually godfather of my son. Oh. And um, so that was tough when they beat the Angels, and he was, you know, sitting there at home plate, you know, after that failed throw home
1: at a louis Lu- soho broken Ho- Luis back. Soho,
2: yeah and i was like yeah that's my buddy but <laughs> i don't care right now <laughs> but uh it was really that was part of the of the romance of the kingdom for me was the fact that i i knew a lot of these guys and and got to go down like you know scotty bradley was a catcher back then and yep. he would like call he goes hey what are you doing i go i'm just hanging around he goes we you want to come down and uh field throws at second base where he wanted he scott worked his butt off and never got i caught
0: randy johnson's no hitter
2: yeah he he never got i think the at bats that i think he deserved because he was a good left-handed hitting hitter yeah but uh you know when he was in the lineup he produced but anyway so he yeah he one day he wanted me to come down and play you know go down and catch throws at second base well he you know would throw down just to work on his throwing out second I said you know I'm left-handed he goes it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> so, so he
2: picked me up went down to the dome you know they all had access to the dome a couple other times it's like hey we're going down to watch the guys throw and they had a, a warehouse right close to there where guys would throw in the off season, like you know maybe right around now or maybe right after Christmas and we went down there Billy Swift and Scott Bankhead and these guys were throwing in this warehouse and I was just like Hearing the pop and watching, you know, I'd stand kind of not right where the batter would be, but maybe a couple feet off, and just watch these pitches come in, and uh, it, you know, really gave you an appreciation for how good these guys were.
0: Were you there when the tiles uh, fell? Was that a off day?
2: It was. Uh, they were supposed to play Baltimore, I think, and but uh, we got notified it had happened before I had left in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. They said, "Go come in. It's no game." so um i was aware that it happened but i wasn't there when when it happened so that was
0: good yeah they should have got atkins roofing on that right (laughs) (laughs) that that was i just set you up there tom
2: (laughs) there may be no greater thrill in sports than the crack
1: of a bat and the roar of a crowd as a small cowhide covered ball
2: hurtles a distant fence it's baseball seattle mariners baseball in the kingdom and there is no greater enjoyment than being there The game starts at 7.35 and not a moment before, because, as the Mariners have always said, there will be no game before it's time.
0: Here's a hard-hitting question. Where were you and what were you thinking when the kingdom was imploded, when it was no more?
2: Uh, I was watching it on TV at home. I, I, you know, I know I get flack for this, but I was kind of like in the good riddance mode I, you like, press the button i would have i would have done it gladly um i just yeah i mean it was great for the football i just felt like it was just not a great baseball venue and you know the fact that it was on turf and yeah all that kind of stuff i just thought this this i'm not going to miss this place at all and um so so I got one for
1: you. I remember how when they opened up Safeco Field, they had the uh, open house for the fans to go
2: see it. What was it like for you the first time walking in there and seeing your new digs? Oh, it was magic. It was so cool because I came up the elevator and came into our booth, and you turn this little corner, and there is the field. I mean, I think you guys and everybody probably, the first time you went to a ballpark or the first time you went to a different ballpark, that's just a memory that you're never going to forget. And it's just, I think part of a young boys uh, that everybody goes through if they ever become any kind of a baseball fan at all just remembering seeing that field when you first see it in person and you know being on TV doesn't do it justice but yeah when I watched it for the first time it was like oh my gosh this is going to be so amazing and and, uh, I still get that thrill when I walk in now it's just, you know, they do such a great job with the groundskeeping crew and everything. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's just manicured beautifully. I mean, know. they
0: used to just have have somebody that could rake like six feet of dirt back That's then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now you need a real garden yeah, crew yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah,
2: yeah, to vacuum the field. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: so. uh, you know, just closing on the kingdom portion of this, and I was saying, you know, when we kick this portion of the pot off, I just preserving the history, because it is part of the Mariners' history. I know we're making some new history now. And I know that the Mariners' promotional nights, they like to do a lot of you know callbacks to the, the neon hats, the fanny packs, the 90s stuff. I wish they would just have, and let me pitch this to you, Tom, a, just a kingdom night. I know you did the, uh, the Clock Forward night, the clock, uh, let's turn the clock back, let's turn the clock to the kingdom. let's have the old uh, diamond know, Vision, Diamond look of Vision it. graphics. One of my favorite things ever was when we would knock a pitcher out and go, "Doom doom doom do, 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 hit the road, Jack. don't yeah. And you would be like, "Coming into pitch." Yeah. You know, uh, John Wetland. Yeah, John <laughs> coming coming into pitch. Jesse Orozco. And uh, but on the on the screen, it would have this. I don't even call it like 8 bit uh, animation. Yeah. And Definitely. it would be the guy, it would be the player going in the dugout, getting kicked in the butt. I'm oh, sorry, he'd be on the mount, he'd be getting kicked in the butt by the manager. He'd go into the shower, he'd drop the soap, and he'd swirl down the. Uh, <laughs> I know they do awesome stuff now, but I think that'd be fun with the pipe organs. That would be cool, yeah. The sailboat races. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know that SS Mariners somewhere and you know, like some billionaire had to buy that thing, yeah. and it's over somewhere in Mercer Island, Probably, hanging out. Yeah. Bring that thing back, and uh, also, do you guys do the Rosenbag thing still anymore? No, that was another thing that was. That's fun.
2: something I just did. Kind of thought, you know, Rosenbag boy. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just, I just thought I'm going to introduce a Rosenbag boy.
0: <laughs> I and love so, it.
2: What the first few times I did it, I didn't, I didn't know his name, so I just made up a name. So I just say. And now, <laughs> delivering the Rosenberg to the Bound. here's Skippy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, make up a name, and all the guys you know, in the booth were cracking up. And so, I then I started doing it every yeah. game, and, like, I would literally li- was asking one of the pe- people down on the field for the pregame show, who's the Rosenberg guy? And so, um, last, I think the pandemic kind of weeded out some of that stuff. Like, I do that, I would always, um, I would always introduce the, uh, starting battery again before the first pitch and they stopped doing that for the most part unless you know we're like needing it to pad a little time or whatever um but yeah the Rosenberg boy was kind of that was fun
1: so did the pandemic since you mentioned that were you even though there was just cardboard fans in the stands were you still announcing it yeah
2: which which surprised me but i guess they wanted to make it as close to the for the viewing audience on TV and for the radio audience, they wanted to make it as close to normal as possible to have that sound at the ballpark. So yeah, it was it was very strange because I didn't, there was no reason to do any of the between innings sponsor stuff because there was nobody really in the ballpark You're not doing the, to benefit it.
0: You're not doing the hydro races for- Right.
2: <laughs> uh, they still did them on TV, but we didn't have to do them there and we didn't do, you know, we did the seventh inning stretch. but. Um, there was really no between-innings announcements for me. I just would do the batters, and then that was it. And those games you know, went a lot quicker that way, but because um, you didn't have to wait as long between uh, innings for the commercial breaks because there was not as much going on. Yeah. But it was really weird, though. It,
0: it was really well. I actually paid for one of those. cardboard uh, things? Yeah, they never sent it to me, though. Really? Uh, Ninja, you had another question uh, that you wanted to ask Tom.
1: I wanted an opinion on, like, uh, the new rules coming this offseason and, like, um, and a follow-up on possibly, like, what your opinion is on automatic strike zone Mm. coming up.
2: Yeah. Uh, I like the new rules from a standpoint of uh, baseball needs to have quicker games. They're just too long. The pitch pitch clock rule I really like, it's going to take some adjustments for sure by the pitchers and by the batters. and then the other thing that I'm not a fan of is the fact well, I'm a fan of it in principle about not being able to throw over to first base more than a couple of times. Yeah. Because then, you know, once you've thrown your a lot of times, the runner knows he can go. And so, um, you know, that's a little shaky. They're enlarging the bases. People said, well, you know, what's the big deal about that? I said, well, you know, three inches can mean the difference between a successful steal and getting thrown out. And it should should, in theory, encourage more stolen base attempts, which has become kind of a lost art. You know, you know, you used to have guys getting 60, 70, 80 stolen bases. You know, Ricky Henderson getting 100. Now maybe 40 is the tops, you know, that you see usually. So I think it would be fun to get the steal back into the game. And then um, what was the follow-up on the uh, – oh, the automatic balls and strikes. I, I, I don't – I I mean, I see – the value in it because, you know, there are missed calls. I mean, just for example, like how Julio Rodriguez was getting jobbed last year at the beginning of the season by just terrible calls. But the old school in me uh, says, you know, you got to hang on to some of these things, and that human element is probably something you don't want to lose. Yeah,
0: I agree. And
2: mm-hmm. I, I just think that, that I can see it in other parts, you know, having the replay now available. Is helpful, but I I wouldn't want to see that happen. 41. Baseball sure has change, changed, five. Junior.
0: Yeah, the hexagon replaced the diamond.
2: And can you imagine facing three pitches? Emerson on base. Oh, the base ejector got him snoozing. He goes Why did it would all change? All sport the game just got too easy. The unsurpassed taste of all sport. A third more carbs than Gatorade for energy could make a difference. Next yeah, up, your grandson's up. Ken Griffey the fourth. You can It's going. It's going. Watch out, center. Oh! Center. Brice got him. He was robbed all sports body quencher the game will never be the same
1: can you tell us a few of your stories about when you went back to the hall of fame and with griffey and edgar
2: yeah um i'd gone to the hall of fame as uh, with a buddy of mine we we would do baseball trips every year and we went to uh, we went to the new city field that the mets had and we drove up to cooperstown and uh i think we went to the Nationals back there. I went back down and went to a Nationals game. But anyway, uh, went just, you know, as fans that year and I got to, two, got to a really cool tour of the hall from one of the, uh, costo- uh, well, I can't remember what they called them. They had some ambassador or whatever. But I, Jeff Eidelson was the uh, president at that point of the Hall of Fame and I interviewed him on the air for a few things. So I said, yeah, we're coming back. Can you get us a, a nice tour? He goes, oh yeah, we'll just give you and your buddy, a, you know, we'll have John take you around, so we got to go down into the uh, vaults where they have, because they rotate stuff in and out. Um, so they have all these drawers that pull out, and there's like you know a Babe Ruth jersey, or there's someone's gloves, or spikes, or um, you know hat that some like Roger Maris wore, or <laughs> whoever. And so it was really cool to see all that on the background, and then uh, so when Griffey was going to be inducted, I talked to Jeff Edelson and said, hey, I know you guys have your, you know, Gary Thorne doing it, but um, if you needed, like, me to do, like, the Ken Griffey Jr. introduction like I do it at the ballpark, all the Mariner fans there would go nuts. And he said, um, I don't think we'll, I don't know that we want to do anything like that because it might set a precedent, but... Um, I think we might want to have you do something like, you know, some sort of a uh, presentation or some sort of a, um, a piece uh, on the Saturday before the Hall of Fame induction. I said, OK, I'd, I'd, ha- I'd be happy to do whatever you want me to do. And I didn't know what he was going to have me do. So it turned out they asked uh, if I would go and be interviewed by one of their people uh, about how I got into this and about memories of Griffey. And they were going to have it at this, I think it's called the grandstand stage room. It's it's a 200 seat little theater type thing in the hall of fame. And I thought, you know, who's going to come and see me? I mean, I would have see the PA announcer for the Baroners being interviewed by this guy. It's like, there's way more interesting stuff to do than that. So I was thinking there's going to be like five people in there and two of them are my relatives. So (laughs) uh, I got in there and it was packed. And I was just like, "Whoa, oh. this is so cool!" And um, so the interview was like about an hour, and just asking questions about you know Junior and all that memories of him. And um, so that was just a thrill. And The biggest thrill, though, was after the you know we had we had several mariner people there, and I'd gotten to know a couple of people in the Hall of Fame uh, that were run you know that were helping to put the whole thing together. And when everybody everything was done Sunday night after the uh, inductions, and we were at this bar, I can't. God, I never remember the name of the bar there, but it's. Um, we were there, and um, the gal that was with the Hall of Fame—I think her name was Dorothy. Um, she says, "Well, we need to get you to do a Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, in—you in, know—your intro again, but we need to do it in, over in the in the hall because so this bar was just down the
0: mm-hmm.
2: alley." I said, "Well, it's closed," and she goes. I got a key. <laughs> so about 10 of us marched down the alley into the back entrance of the Hall of Fame. And after hours went up to where his plaque was hanging and all of us stood in front of there. And then on cue, I said to Ken Griffey Jr. And, uh, so that was really cool. And then we reenacted it a few years later with Edgar. They asked me that year to kind of host a, um, on field round table, uh, about Edgar with it was originally going to be Dan Wilson, Jay Buhner, Rick Griffin, Rick Riz, and I think that was it, and then we we're kind of waiting it was at the ballpark that they have there. I think it's called Legends Field. Um, it was the ballpark there, and so they were you know the fa- they had a bunch of fans there for that. It was packed the the side of the place was packed, and um, in we were kind of waiting in this waiting area in this tunnel. And Junior walks in. I said, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, they yes, asked if I come out. And I said, oh, that's great. So so I'm walking out onto this field. We're being introduced. And it was me and Jay and Junior and Cammy, or uh, uh, Dan Wilson and Mo- Moyer was there. And then uh, we all sat down on our stools. And all of a sudden, my camera walks out. And it's like, this is going to be fun. This is like Cammy- the
0: Expendables. Yeah. So they're all popping up. Yeah.
2: And... <laughs> So it was funny because I, I've got pictures of it, but I'm I'm cracking up in these pictures because it's Griffey ripping Cameron about you know having taken over for him mm-hmm. and you know that just they were just giving each other grief in this in this roundtable setting and uh, it just kind of took over the show and they had told me you got to be done by two forty two because we need to turn this over and get this you know the ballpark has to be cleaned out by that time so <laughs> I'm like looking at my watch going Shh, these guys are going to talk
0: for <laughs> no hour. yeah you don't know and these then, guys well enough and then
2: Moyer who is like uh, you know wind him up and let him go and you know he'll ask him one question he'll talk about you know 20 minutes so I thought if I ask Moyer a question now this is done I'll be, I'll be I'll be sunk so anyway it was really really fun and they yeah. decided it went so well that when we came back after that road trip they had us do a similar thing on the field here at, at mm-hmm. the ballpark so those are my two experiences there so it's been really I mean such a fun deal to be able to be involved in that oh that's in that level at the hall of fame I mean
0: absolutely that's like, I mean that that's I can't even equate to yeah, what that you, felt like to be up there with like you know our heroes and I'm sure you look at mm-hmm. them I'm sure your it's your children's heroes yeah. and just like I mean where do you go from there yeah. for me for me
1: well, I was lucky enough to go to the Hall of Fame many years ago when we were back there, and uh, not, not the ceremony wasn't going on, but if you ever get a chance, go back there. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's the
2: best. It's absolutely the best. And the yeah. first time I went with my buddy, uh, it was a hotel that all the players stay at during the Hall of Fame weekend, Anas- Saga, and it's this beautiful, old-fashioned kind of plantation-style building that has this long veranda on the back. And it overlooks the green of this uh, golf course. that's out there, and uh, we missed it by two days because the players had just cleared out after the. We went, got there on a Tuesday after the Hall of Fame weekend induction. But you could just, you know, see that these players would be out there on that veranda, just sitting there, you know, uh, telling stories, as you know, only baseball players can do. And uh, it was so fun to see that and stay in that historic building but the city is so cool it's so small and you know for the hall of fame weekend it like quintuples in size with all the people that are there um but if you're there just you know as a middle of the summer type thing they're still still very busy but you're right it's just it's worth seeing and even if you're not a huge baseball fan it's worth checking out because there's so much history there and there's so many fun little shops and you know 18 different places where you can get a personalized bat and <laughs> uh, and so uh, yeah, it's a blast
0: Mr. Buner, will you play pepper with me I can't son it's against the rules how many times have you heard that hi I'm Ken Griffey Jr when I'm not running the bases I'm running for president vote for me and I promise to erase every no pepper sign in America Mr. Griffey, will you play Pepper with me? Sure, kid. Could you help me out with some swing states? Oh, yeah, yes. I see had every foot and a Pepper game in every backyard.
2: I think Ken Griffey is spending too much time on the field, not enough time on issues like the flat tax.
1: No Pepper? I say yes to Pepper.
2: <laughs> Look, Pepper was outlawed for a reason. It tears up the turf. You know how big this thing was? Look at this. Pepper man, and right under there, Korean War ends.
1: The man don't want you to play Pepper. You gonna listen to the man?
2: If you outlaw Pepper, only outlaws will play Pepper. So where does the candidate stand on real issues, like the flat tax? I
0: mean, if they're so smart in Washington, why don't they have a baseball
2: team? Baseball without Pepper is like baseball without baseballs anyone can champion pepper. It takes a real man to champion the flat tax. It's pepper that people want. They don't care about the minimum wage, the flat tax. They want pepper and they want it now. Pepper to the people, man. Land of the free? Why can't I play pepper? Jefferson should have said life, liberty, pepper in the pursuit of happiness. But it just didn't sound right. But that's what they meant to say. I know that.
1: And where's this moose
2: stand on the flat tax?
1: Since you watch many games, who which ball player would you pay to watch play?
2: Or do you have um, opposing team or? or Yeah, opposing. Okay. Um, Probably, I mean, of all the people I've seen through the years, I would say it would probably still be um, probably Ricky Henderson. I I just thought in his prime, absolutely, yeah, was so fun and so. Uh, scored
0: the most runs, which the whole game is about, touching right. the plate, right? Yeah,
2: and hit the most leadoff home runs. And this was a, the perfect example of what a leadoff hitter was supposed to be. And uh, you know, He get impacted on base. the game. Yeah, get on base, make the pitcher nervous, steal second, maybe steal third, score on a ground ball, you know. get Like you said, getting, getting into home plate is what it's all about. And he would get on and, you know. You could just see pitchers get nervous when he was on first base, and he would just—and he was so brazen about it. And so, you know, he's cocky. And uh,
0: I love listening to Harold Reynolds talk about Ricky Henderson. Yeah, he, yeah. he does it. He tells the great Ricky Henderson stories all the time. Yeah, yeah. Ricky
1: talking in third person. Yeah, yes. oh yes. I,
2: yeah.
0: And I go to the Oakland game pretty much every year because I live in Los Angeles. This nice little drive up there—it's mm-hmm. basically the kingdom if it was a convertible. If you yeah. just like gotten a wreck underneath a semi. <laughs> and the, and the lid place, got ripped off.
2: Yeah, that place is not, that's a terrible place. No,
0: it, it's always interesting, and it and it, I feel bad about when I go to the game, like going, gosh, I feel so bad because me growing up in the 90s and watching the game, that was the team to beat, mm-hmm. you know? That was the scariest thing. I, I, when I go in there, it's almost like I know my way around, like I got on the Millennium Falcon, and I, I know where all the compartments are and yeah. everything like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was down there in the 89, in the 89 earthquake series for the, the ball. That was at the game where the earthquake happened. And uh, wow. that was scary because uh, we didn't know what had happened. They knew, you know, people that were from there knew. So you've been in
0: two earthquakes yeah. at ballparks. That's, yeah, that's true. Wow. I
2: didn't really think about that. But, yeah, but that <laughs> was, uh, I'd gone out to, to get a beer and um, I was with uh, three other guys. And I saw that the they had the signs that had the prices on them. Up, up above, they were hanging on a chain. The signs were hanging on little chains, and I saw that the signs were swaying. And I go, can I get three beers? And they go, we, we can't sell any beer. The power is out on our system. I said, what happened? They go, it was, it was an earthquake. I said, Oof. So I went back to my seats, and everybody's kind of mumbling and murmuring and not knowing what was going on and not knowing whether they were going to call the game or what. All the players were standing out on the field because they didn't want to be in the dugout or in the clubhouse. So." Um, Finally, they said, you know, we're going to send you home, and then the power was out because of the earthquake, and so we're driving through a very, very undesirable neighborhood around the ballpark there in San Francisco, and um, it was a scary ride home, and we didn't have cell phones or anything, so it was like, no way to notify anybody back <laughs> home that we were okay. It took about four hours to get back to our hotel, and uh, that was that was frightening. Sounds like you've been to a lot
1: of ballparks. Which is your favorite one to uh, visit?
2: Well, uh, I think the coolest ballpark in my mind is probably um, PNC Park in Pittsburgh. I really like that park. It's not such a huge, monstrous stadium. The right field um, bleachers are kind of only one level, almost like a minor league park. And then they, because right behind it's the Allegheny River, and so you got the river shots that you know get hit out of there. Um, and so it looks kind of small, kind of like, kind of looks like an old ballpark would look, you know, like the old, you know, Crosley fields and, and Ebbets field and all those other ballparks like that has that kind of a feel to it. Um, I loved, I grew up a Yankee fan cause I'm, I was in Spokane. There was no, they were that AAA affiliate of the Dodgers back mm-hmm. then. But I, for some reason wasn't that big of a Dodger fan, but I grew up a Yankee fan, because I guess it was the first thing I saw when I was watching sports on TV. It was like, the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, Mickey Mantle, and uh, he was kind of at the tail end of his career by the time I got into him. But when I, I got to go to Yankee Stadium in 87, and I was just, you know, awestruck. And Scott Bradley had me come down and into the little cramped clubhouse there, and then we walked out in the outfield to the Monuments This is all before the game, and like, you know, I was walking back in and stooped down and picked up some grass from the, just thinking, I mean, all the, this is, you know, the old Yankee Stadium, just thinking about all the, like, Babe Ruth stood out here, and, you know, Joe DiMaggio was there, and it's like, envisioning guys in their, you know, fedoras, smoking cigars in the stands, and, you know, it was a, (laughs) it was a, you know, dank, smelly building, but it just had so much history, and I thought it was just so cool. You can't score any runs unless you get some hits. All right, now let's get a hitter up there. You kid, what's your name? Ruth, sir. Ruth, Ruth, what? George Herman, Ruth, sir. But my friends call me Babe. Babe, another Babe Ruth. We'll step up to the plate, babe, and maybe swat out a few. Hey, Turk, chuck a few wind to the next Babe Ruth. When you've got a well-known name, people expect a lot.
1: We've got a beer named after the city that means beer. Old Milwaukee. It's a tough name to live up to, but Old Milwaukee is one of the fastest growing major beers in the country. Tell
2: me, babe, you don't happen to know any kids named Garrick, do you? Old Milwaukee beer tastes as great as its name.
0: One thing I wanted to say was, you know, when I listened to you on uh, Two Strike Banter and Seattle Sports Union, I think everybody should go and listen to those because uh, I thought those were great episodes. I really enjoyed the game that you guys play on uh, with the with the guy from the control. What's his name? I'm sorry, skipping my name that uh, you worked with,
2: uh, Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. Yeah. The
0: game where you guys uh, use a name in a sentence. in a sentence, yeah, yeah. and I had one for you because oh, yeah. I said, "Well, here's one." I go. Listen, this year, the, everybody in my family is excited about going to the All-Star Game, so they asked me to get them each a row of tickets. So, Yeah, the premise of that was
2: <laughs> use so-and-so's name in a sentence. So, you know, the easy example would be like, um, well, one of my favorites was Mark. Mark was better at it than I was, and so he said... Uh, Oh my gosh what was the name?
0: The Mankavage one?
2: No it was Pedroia, oh, yeah, Dustin yeah. Pedroya and so he said uh, I want to draw, I want to see a picture of my grandmother but if you can't find one have Grandpa Pedroia a picture. <laughs> see
0: that's, that's a whole nother level. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole nother level. Yeah. I'm on the like the e- if there's a video game the easy level on those <laughs> ones. So Hansen and I play a game of course, we're just, just avid fans of, of the little things that happen in stadiums. We love the walk-up music, which has turned into a, a big thing now. Mm-hmm. But a thing that we, we like to play is when I can actually acapella one of the songs, he'll do an impression of you, but he's got to guess whose walk-up music is it. Is uh. it? Oh, so, so here's an example. You ready, Hanno? And he's going to do hes gonna do the Uh-oh. Tom Huttler. You ready? This is what he's the most nervous about. That's why he probably went outside. <laughs> Just like you would do a stage show. He went outside, learned his lines, talked himself to us. So here we go. Who let the dogs out? Who?
2: Who? Who? Who let the dogs out? Who? Shortstop,
0: Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> That's great. So we were wondering if you'd play with a couple of these. And I'm going to do some... Easy ones, I'll get. These are deep cuts from. I don't know how much you'd remember. Just a couple. of You know, I,
2: I, I probably, probably some more obvious ones. Yeah, but I don't. I didn't really pay attention to that that much. And it's like the hydro races. Who won the hydro races? <laughs> I, <go>, I don't <laughs> know. I don't watch. So, but um,
0: this one, you'll. I'll start okay. it real easy. All right. Right fielder number nineteen, Jay Buner. Yes, All right. Ooh yeah! What a man! What a man! What a man! What a mighty good man! Now adding the catcher,
2: number six, Dan Wilson.
0: (laughs) Okay, and then here's my first love, my first Mariner crush. Here it goes. Uh, First baseman number
2: twenty-one, Alvin (laughs) Davis.
0: That was fucking baby boy. And then here's the extra credit one because I butcher this one every time. Here he goes. Do it. I've got the power. Oh yeah. Third baseman.
2: Can't remember his number. 16. Mike Blowers. Sixteen. Mike Blowers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank
0: you. Oh, thank you, Tom. Yeah. I, listen again. Uh, the. I think that Akron Beacon Journal's got it. I know you're a man of faith. You might get a little. You know, feel weird when you hear this, but the voice of God. Really, you know, like I told you when I called you, if they made a movie about me which would go straight to the bargain bin DVD (laughs) you would definitely be the Morgan Freeman of of that it's so awesome to meet you I know there's uh, some things that I want to plug for you that I really like the night before Christmas uh I think should be played at Christmas parties just like Sinatra or Bing Crosby that you did. I really love it. I'd love you to do some other things. I'd love to see you do like maybe the PG version of uh, narrating Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, Vin- do Vincent Price. Oh, um, yeah. I'd love to hear that. But one really cool thing I wanted to uh, put out there was your cameo. Oh, yeah. You're on Cameo. And some people, you go on Cameo, and you're like, really? Why are they on that? I think that is a great idea in fact i'm going to do one for my grandma my grandpa played for the rainiers and we finally got all his stats and everything so i'll be hitting you up for her her next birthday uh present but uh, so you're doing things on cameo what do you what what types of things are you doing oh
2: gosh birthdays you know um just general uh yeah my son-in-law to be is a Huge Mariner fan, he would love to have you, you know, say something to him about, you know, they'll give you a little background information. He goes to, you know, he's been a season ticket holder for 14 years and um, he's getting married to our daughter in March and so something like that. So you just, you know, come on and say, hey, Phil, my, your, your mom, your future mother in law wanted to have me drop you a line and say uh, that, you know, we're glad to have you as a Mariner fan and hope you make it to the ballpark and, Looks like you're going to have a wonderful future, and they are looking forward to having you in their family, and hope to see out there soon. And then, if they want me to, then I'll like announce his name, like he's coming to the plate, and um, uh, it's pretty easy, and it's it's pretty fun. I'm, you know, it's it's. I had heard about Cameo four or five years ago, whatever it was, and then uh, I thought that'd be kind of cool to get involved with, and I sent them a sent them a email, and never heard back, and so I thought, you know, I, I mean. I'm, there's a lot of big name celebrities on there. I thought, yeah, they probably don't you know, I'm regional at best and so I could see why they probably wouldn't be interested. And then I got a email from a guy there over the summer asking if I'd want to be involved. I thought, yes, yes, for sure. So it hasn't really um, cranked up for me and I'm, I'm guessing that it will be a lot busier once more people find out about it and, this, and once the season gets closer and closer Um I've probably only done about twenty of them so far. So, um, anyway, for, I mean, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's a chance where you can have a person in sports or an athlete oh, wow. or actor or musician yeah. or comedian or whatever do a personalized message for you uh, with video for whatever it might be—a bar it mitzvah, is, it birthday is awesome. party, anniversary. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, I had one given to me from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, <laughs> and it's still, it still was like, whoa, I, you know, and for any Mariners fan, I think uh, this is unsolicited from Tom. This is something that I wanted to bring up. Like the price that it is for for this, it it's insane, and I I really like it. And listen, it'll cost you less than what a what a player's t-shirt at the store uh, will cost that maybe they'll trade next month. This thing will last forever. Yeah. All right? That's my unsolicited uh, advertisement. <laughs> uh, you're going to be playing here at uh, Murphy's where we're recording. You want to yeah. tell us about that?
2: Yeah, I have, uh, I, I play music as another kind of like uh, uh, side thing that I've always, I, I didn't start till about seven years ago, so late in life that I, I always like to sing and I love music. Music's a big big part of my life. Um, but I started playing and performing with some friends of mine and as a solo guy about seven years ago so i played murphy's here uh doing a solo thing a couple times but i have a band that is called high cheese a baseball reference there love it and um we're gonna be playing here at murphy's on march 25th
0: get down here get down here a lot to of watch. Fun. what kind of music again that you guys uh, play
2: it's you know a mix of pop and country and Americana and I write some original stuff too right and
0: before opening day yeah. yeah
2: it's coming yeah it'll be five days those, before warming up those pipes That's it's right. basically
0: your spring training yeah. right here at Murphy's also want to thank Shelly for having us here at Murphy's
2: yeah, yeah she's great they're great <laughs> Shelly and Phil and you know it's great uh, you know the oldest Irish bar in, in the city and uh, they do a great job here so it's, it's uh, always fun to come up here
0: well, Tom, thank you, thank you again for being so gracious with your time. I feel like we won some sort of uh, something at an auction where we got to <laughs> sit exactly. down and talk to you, you know. So thank you again, and we hope to have you back. Maybe we'll check in with you after the season when, when you know, you have a little bit more time and hopefully talking talking you out of retiring because we got that <laughs> world, world series series, yeah. series well it's
2: been a lot of fun and you guys are really kind and gracious and it's my pleasure
0: and oh for all these youngsters out there where do we catch you on the social medias
2: uh i'm just at uh, t hutler for uh for uh um twitter and then uh yeah just facebook i'm tom hutler i don't i you know, I don't really use Instagram much. I should. I know that's kind of the, the bigger thing. We're Instagram for, friends, Tom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you gotta yeah, get on there. But uh, yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you again, Tom.
2: My pleasure, guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting this podcast action from, Spotify, especially Apple. If you're on Apple, don't be shy. Say hello. Give us a review. Hit us with that five-star review. We love five-tool baseball players, don't we, Hanno?
1: Absolutely.
0: But you know what? I like a five-star review even more. So hit us with that five-star review. Check us out on the socials. If you got something that's really, really going on that you need us to know directly, hit us up at the email at ryebreadandmustardpodcast at gmail.com. Hanno, you know what time it is. Charge.